Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that he moves in your life. I kind of want to lay some ground rules. This is where we're going to go for the message. <clears throat> when I started speaking about family, it just reminded me of this. Like, I feel like right now, especially in the season that we're in, we're kind of in like this time where we're a bunch of kids, like in grade school. You guys remember elementary school, grade school, grammar school, whatever it used to be called. I feel like we're in a place right now that like we're on the playground and I'm looking at these guys to, to like, I just need interaction. So camera people, I love you so much. Interact with me. Do you guys remember the days like when you would play freeze tag or tag or something and then there'd always be that one kid that like, uh, maybe he didn't just run fast enough or something and he would always want to change the rules. Like you'd be like, hey, the bench where we have lunch is base. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, the bench is base. And then all of a sudden this kid is like, no, 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 the bench wasn't base, this is base. The, the, the basketball hoop, the, you guys know what I'm talking about? And it's like, kid, like, come on. We're, we're all like trying to play fair. And I feel like we're all caught up in this thing with this kid and I'm talking about the world right now, the world. We, as believers, as, as human beings, we're all caught up in this thing with this kid that wants to keep changing the rules. That kid is the enemy. And I believe that that kid is trying to cause division, even in families. Especially, this is a great thing to talk about on Mother's Day. Because moms are constantly wanting their families to be together and wanting everyone to like, okay guys, let's all get along. And it's not just about getting, getting along, it's, but it is about keeping our love towards one another. And I believe that we have to really get God's heart in this moment because it's so key to the season that we're in. As believers, it is incredibly important for us to be able to rely and lean on one another. It's just like that song. Come on. Lean on me. <laughs> so let's lay some ground rules, okay? And I'm, I'm here. I got my phone. I have the live stream right here. I see... All you guys talking, and in the comment section, as an amen, let's all say, lean on me. You ready? You guys can get your phones out too. You want to jump onto the live stream? As an amen, let's say, lean on me. All my, my Convergence family, get on the live stream. If you're streaming on your TV, that's perfect. Get out your phone. Permission granted. Like, now's the time to be on your phone. Say, lean on me. Boom. Lean on me. There it is. I'm there. So let's lay some ground rules. Jesus, rule number one, okay? Like, let's, we're going to set the rules right now, and we're going to all play by these rules. No one's going to change the rules because we're believers. We're family. So no matter what, let's make an agreement to follow these rules. Rule number one, you ready? The key is always going to be Jesus. Rule number one. Rule number one, Jesus must be our key and our primary focus, no matter what. And that's a scripture that comes right out of Mark 12, verse 30. 
that says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that you have, all your focus, all your effort and energy, we must keep Jesus in the first place, right? Rule number one, we all agree? We got an amen? Say, lean on me in the comment section again if you agree. Lean on me, rule number one. Okay, rule number two, are you ready? Here it is. Comes out of the Bible again. Rule number two, we are on the same team. Rule number two, all believers who are in Christ Jesus are on the same team. I'm sorry, but if I were to judge by Facebook right now, I would say Facebook seems like a, a lot of division. But we got to remember that Jesus unites us. We might not have to agree on everything, but we must always follow rule number two, which is this, and it comes out of Mark 12, 31, that you shall love the Lord your God, or 12, 30, so you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then 12, 31 is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Just as you love yourself, with that same amount of effort, that same amount of care, those things, remember the golden rule? Kids, if you don't know the golden rule, here it is. I could hear my kids at home. Hope, Samuel, Josiah, Nehemiah, what's the golden rule? Babe, post that thing on Facebook or Instagram. Instagram telling the world, convergence, what the golden rule is with your children. The golden rule is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sorry. Is that the golden rule? Treat others the way you want to be treated. It's simple. Think about how you desire to be loved. And if you can't even have a scope, a, a picture, an image of what that looks like, it looks like Jesus coming to earth without an agenda of his own, but seeking our hearts. To the same degree that he desired a love relationship with you and me, we should desire a love relationship with fellow humans, with people that, that are your neighbor. Rule number two, can we all agree to love one another as we love ourselves? Rule number three, and this is like, let's agree on rule number three comes out of Romans 8, verse 31 through 39. Rule number three, we are on the winning team. You're like, how is that a rule? It's a rule because Jesus made it the rule. He said, when you follow me, that you shall live a life of abundance, of fullness, the fullness thereof. Thriving is what we are called to do. In season, out of season, in times of struggle, and in times of victory, we are on the winning team. We cannot forget that we are already more than conquerors. Romans 8 says this, when, sorry, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He's chosen you. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It is written, for you, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons or principalities or powers or things present or things to come nor height nor depth nor anything created shall ever separate us from the love of God which is Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, we are on the living team. We are on the winning team. We are more than conquerors. Say it in the comment section. We are more than conquerors. Right here, let's see it on the YouTube stream. We are more than conquerors. Rule number three, we're on the winning team. Can we agree? All right, let's pray. I'm not done, but I just need to pray. This is part of the flow of my message. This is just the beginning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your protection. Father, I thank you that you are never one to ignore the voices of your children. I thank you from generation to generation you are revealing your faithfulness. And I thank you that you're awaking our hearts in this moment, Lord. I pray that we as believers that are full of faith, walking in victory and following these rules, that we would be people to not despise the season that you are bringing us through. God, I ask that you would ignite our hearts in this moment to preach the word, to understand the truth of the gospel, to understand the truth of the calling in the kingdom that you have laid before every believer and that you have called us all into together. I ask, Lord, that there would be such unity in the body of Christ in these moments that as we make decrees together, that we, when we come together in faith and when we gather even online, Lord, I thank you that you have no limitation. I thank you, Lord, that you are not captured and contained by a screen. I thank you that you are not limited to the internet. I thank you that your power fills every corner of every house. I thank you, Lord, that when we speak, that it is your life that flows from our mouths. And I ask, Lord, that this morning that my words would be fast and accurate, that they would hit the hearts that need to be hit. God, that people would walk away from this live stream full of hope. God, and that the message of Jesus would be sent to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I was asking the Lord what he wants to deliver this morning, and I felt an impression on my heart that he wants you to know this right here that you are way better off than you think. You might not feel it, but it's not about our feelings. 
It's never been about our emotions and our feelings. But he wants you to know that you are better off than you think. The reason why is because right in this moment, God has chosen you and is doing a deep work within your soul. God is having his hands on the clay of your life in these days. That's good news because he has not left us and he has not forsaken us. He is right in the midst of the trial. He has actually called us to this moment and for such a time as this, he has risen you up. He has chosen your voice. He, have cho he has chosen your family. He has chosen you to be an instrument in his hand in these moments. May 10th, 2020, he said, you, my son and my daughter, I will do a good work in you. And it is because I've called you that you will walk in victory. It is because I called you that you will allow me to soften and tenderize your heart in this moment. Because if you do not allow him to tenderize your heart in this moment, we will miss what he's trying to do in the future. It is incredibly important that we focus on the things that are from above. Set your mind on things above and not things that are on the earth, Colossians 3.2 says. We need to be aware of what God is doing among us and in us now. We need to be aware because what God is going to do in us is tied to what he wants to do through us. What work he is doing within the deep depths of the darkest places of our souls in this moment is directly tied to the victory that will be had among the earth. No wonder why things feel a little heavy and dark lately. No wonder why things seem a bit confusing like the big bully on the playground called Devil, who's really just the size of a fruit fly flying around the table of, that the Lord has prepared before you. No wonder why he's trying to puff up and pull out every gun that he possibly has, because he's afraid of you. You have freaked him out. People all over the earth are realizing that victory is within the grasp of every believer. The word of God is coming alive from nation to nation. People are truly be beginning to believe the words that are written in the book. We are seeing the fruit in these days of the presence of the Lord engulfing the earth. We're seeing salvation by thousands, hundreds of thousands, literal nations coming to Jesus. We are seeing our prayers answered. There is a key. The pathway to our true freedom is built upon a foundation of faith. Faith that is the size of a mustard seed. Let me share a quick story with you. Just on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, I can't, my power went out. What day was that? Wednesday? Hannah's not here. I can't look at her. I always look at her. Hannah, I'm something like Wednesday or Thursday. I can't 
fully remember. It was Thursday. Thank you, Jordan. My power went out. And you might not know this about me, but I'm kind of like a uh, worst-case scenario planner. I love it. Like, I love it because it makes me feel like a good dad. Like, I always want to be the one with the answer. Like, to always be the one where, like, don't worry, I've got a plan. You know, like, uh, the car breaks down. Don't worry, I got a plan. Or, like, the power goes out. Don't worry, I got a plan. So I have a generator, and I turned on the generator. And the reason why is because we just went to Costco and bought food for to last us two weeks, and I'm like, gosh, I don't want the food to go bad. Our power was out for four hours, so I, I got nervous. I plugged him in, call it a lack of faith, whatever. That's fine, but as we were getting the kids to bed, it comes upon nine o'clock, and I'm praying. I'm wrap, I turn off the power because it's loud, the generator, and I'm wrapping up the cords, and in my spirit, I'm stirred to pray. And I just pray, Jesus, would you turn the power back on? Literal millisecond after my prayer is done, the power comes on. I'm telling you that we are in moments that when we even have a mustard seed of faith, that we are going to begin to see immediate results. But the key is that we have to trust that he is good. The key is our foundation of faith. What the foundation of faith looks like is the trials that we go through have to cultivate our hearts so that when the times of testing come again, we will be able to stand on the word that he's given us. What word has he given you? What word are you holding on to in this time? Because if it's the word of politicians, if it's the word of somebody else, it will not last you through this night. You cannot rely on the oil of others. You must have your own. You must cultivate your own oil and carry it for your own soul so that you can burn through the night. I believe that in these moments, it is a moment of grace. I believe that we are in the middle of a pandemic, or if you even believe it's real, if you believe that there should be a cure or not a cure, that vaccination, whatever, to be honest, it doesn't matter what you think besides who your heart is for. Because if, it, if these things are causing your heart to be against another, then I would say that that's the scheme of the enemy. We must walk this walk of faith with the foundation of love. Love comes first, then our faith is activated. If we are moving outside of the realm of love, I believe that we are thinking a lot like the world. Are we putting our trust in God or in chariots? What are we putting our trust in? What word are we holding on to? I'm not saying be dumb and go lick a flagpole or a handrail and like try to get sick. That's not what I'm saying. But what I do believe is the word that's written, that in the times, there will be moments where we will be having to, I mean, not having to, but we will be faced with such uh, uh, trials that it's almost like drinking poison, but we will not die. Think about history, biblical history, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced to either take the knee and worship a false idol and a false king or to stand for God. They walked into the fire. What word were they holding on to? I could tell you that they weren't promised a vaccine that would prevent them from catching on fire. They trusted in the Lord. 
They did not trust in chariots. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, though his heart was probably torn, his heart was like, Lord, I am, I am here. I'm giving my whole life to you. But yet, he had a word to last him through the trial. What word are you holding on to? Put it in, put it in the comment section. Ask yourself, ask others, what word are you holding on to? What word are you holding on to? I have some encouragement from Scripture. It comes all back to the Word. I'm going to read it in two different translations because they hit different. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, but is for a moment. It is working for us that is far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but we look but at the things which are not seen. For the things that which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Let's read it in the Passion Translation for everyone who speaks uh, English like I do. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is being renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. God is changing our perspective. The way we face our trials, he's changing our perspective. See, we've been, for so long, we have seen and, and partaken in microwave Christianity but he's called us to run a race, a marathon, not just a sprint. He's conditioning our hearts for this next season so that we can go faithfully from generation to generation because the things, the moments that we're going through now, the trials that we're gonna have victory in now are not just for this moment, they're for eternity. They're for your children and your children's children, just like we sang, this is real. The victory that you have now, the stands that you take now are for the, the well-being and the life that will be able to lived, be lived in your children and your great-grandchildren and so on. These moments matter. We see our difficulties as substance that produces us and, and produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is un in the unseen realm is eternal. Do not despise the, the situations, the trials that we're in in this present day. Let this be an encouragement to you. That you were made for such a time as this. To face these trials and have victory through them. Don't look at the trial externally. We must look internal. What is going on in you? Oftentimes when we, when we parent or when we think about punishment, there's been word like this is God's wrath. And even if this was a rebuke, Scripture says that when the Lord rebukes, he comes in love. 
when the Lord brings correction, it is never lacking love. What that looks like is when I correct my child or my son for putting a bucket on his head, turning on the water hose and squirting it inside the house all over the floor that I just laid, instead of just saying, come here, giving him a spanking and then sending him to his room, I, as a father, say, son, what were you thinking? That floor that we just laid last summer can be destroyed by this water. Do you see? When you have a bucket on your head, you can't see where that water hose is going. What if you sprayed your brother or sister in the face? They wouldn't be too happy. And I draw near, and I bring him in, and I bring correction. Our Heavenly Father is not one with a Louisville slugger bat, Louisville, <laughs> and he doesn't swing at his kids or call lightning down from the sky. When our Heavenly Father rebukes or corrects, it is followed by love. He, is, he draws near. Do not despise the moments that we're in. Because the beauty of this all is that when we are going through this trial, he is there along with us. He's not absent from the matter, but he leads us through it. He gives us answers. Throughout this life, the reason why he, sh he sent his son Jesus and why Jesus shed his blood on the cross, why he died and went to hell, took the keys of death and he rose again to create a way for all humanity to come and to, to know our good and loving heavenly father. You, you know why all that happened? It's the same narrative that it was from the foundations of the earth. He's after your heart. Every trial that we face, he's after your heart. I want you to put it in the comment section. I want you to speak it as a declaration over your family. Say, he's after your heart. He is after your heart during this season, during COVID-19, in the fear that you might be carrying, he's after your heart. Or in the frustration that you might be feeling, he's after your heart. He has called you for such a time as this to draw near to him as he draws near to you. He's after your heart. Last week, as we know, it was Pastor Greg's amazing birthday that we got to celebrate with him, and we had a family dinner, and we had a really fun conversation. So many fun moments are, are done around Pastor Greg. Like, it's just, he's, he's a, if you don't know him, if you're one of the viewers that are online and you have not met Pastor Greg personally, you should buy yourself a ticket when all this is over, fly out and come visit just to shake his hand because he's a fantastic dude. We were having th these moments where we were talking about um, happy memories uh, that we have had with, with PG. And I didn't share this one, but this is one of my favorite things that he, that he does. And the first time I experienced it was on the basketball court. Now, I was married into a family where pretty much everyone is taller than me. So I have to compensate with self-confidence. I don't give an attitude. I play fair. I play, I, with my lack in height, I, I compensate with my full of heart. I play with heart. 
So, one thing that I love Pastor Greg saying, and he, he says this, and now I say it too, is I thrive under pressure. I don't know where you, do, do you know where you got that from? Like, it's just, your, so he says this, I thrive under pressure. It is so, it's like so bad to the bone. That's such a cool saying. I want you to say this over your life. I thrive under pressure. Say it. I thrive under pressure. Put it in the comment section. Say, I thrive under pressure. See, certain things happen when we're under pressure. Remember that our lives are not defined by the trials that we are in. Like, because we are in the middle of this pandemic, like, it is not, it, it is not like this is us. I am not COVID-19. My generation will not wear the mask of an identity saying this is the pandemic generation. That's, that's baloney. I almost cussed. That right there is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You are not defined by the trials that you go through. Imagine if Joseph, the one with the coat of many colors, defined his life by the trials that he faced. Imagine if David defined the life, his life by the trials that he faced. What I'm talking about is imagine if we went through this life with a victim mentality. All these things that have wronged us. The whole reason why we should just sit back and, and take life and not you know, just let it roll all over us and not walk in victory because the reality is there's a lot of believers that allow that to happen. But he's called you to be more than a conqueror. Remember Romans 8. So check this out. When we choose to live a life and make declarations like I thrive under pressure, like I, in this season, I'm gonna win in this season, I'm more than a conqueror because the love of Christ flows through my veins. I thrive under pressure. But it's very important that in this season, because even when we do love Jesus, our focus can be tainted. Our focus can be sent or maybe in the wrong area. And what happens is, as we go through life, say we've been watching the news and the media so much that it's actually tainting our soul and now the only words that we have to give are statistics and stats and this scientist and doctor said that and I want to know what the word you're holding on to and the way you let people know is the words that come out of your mouth. What are you defining your success as? It's incredibly important for us to be aware, be aware as believers that we don't define our success or our uh, victory by the popularity with humans or, or even uh, social approval. We must remember that God has approved us, that we are fully approved by the blood of Jesus when we make our souls, when we give ourselves to him. We are fully accepted and approved, but our actions that come thereafter are the ones that I'm talking about. What are we doing now? And if what we are doing now is supposed to reflect who he is. What is the word that's coming out of your, sorry, mouth? What is the word that is coming out of your mouth? Does that make sense? What's overflowing in your life? Because if it's Netflix, this is your life. You got this? Step back a little bit. All right, you good? Okay, Convergence fam, this is your life. You're a tube of toothpaste. Remember, you thrive under pressure. 
And if you're called to be a son and a daughter, he says that I am a wonderful father and you are the clay that's in my hands. Just like a tube of toothpaste, you can mold it, you can push it, but you have to apply pressure for something to happen to it. See, he's applying pressure to our lives right now. He's applying so much pressure because he cares about the shape. He cares about our purpose. He wants you to be filled with him. So in order for you to be filled, he has to apply pressure. But when pressure is applied, when pressure is applied, what comes out of your life? Because like a tube of toothpaste, when pressure is applied, you will be overflowing with something. It has to go somewhere. I'm concerned this moment that as believers, as a family of God, that the stuff that's overflowing from our life is not the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the good news that Jesus has set us free and he is the hope to save the world. I'm concerned that this stuff is full of scientific facts that we are trying to prove ourselves right and make our whole things known in its chariots, its horses that we're putting our trust in. What is the Lord saying? What is the Lord saying? Our lives must overflow with his goodness and the goodness of the gospel, not just preachers or teachers, not just prophets or evangelists, not just people who are called. You're all called. We were called sons and daughters of the living king. We all walk in an inheritance that is bought by the cross. It is our duty that when we are applied pressure in our life that we were not overflow with the garbage from Netflix, with garbage from whatever, from music that we listen to, from, from lessons that we're learning, from scientific activities. No, he is wanting and desiring his heart to be known to all men. Literally, I believe it's Luke 14, Jesus gives a parable. And the parable is, Master, we went out and we told everybody about your banquet. We told everybody, we told the richest people, and they didn't come. We told the poor people, and some of them came. Jesus in the parable says, go out and compel them. Convince them. When Hannah and I got married 10 years ago, we had a fantastic wedding, and I'm going to end here with a charge for you as a believer and a son and daughter of the living king. Pastor Bill Johnson did a part of our wedding, and he's looking at us, and we're having this moment, and I was mic'd up, and we had the whole video recording. And he said this, and I say this to you. Go and remind the world of God's goodness. Let your life overflow with the good deeds that he has done in your life. Remind the entire earth of his goodness. Because we are in a moment right now that people are hungry to know the truth. And they will not know unless you tell them compel their hearts with the love that has been effective in your life. The same love that you overflow with. Let that be the love to, that compels the world to know him as their own Lord and Savior. So I want to declare right now, you thrive under pressure. You thrive in the kingdom under pressure. That when all these things, these laws are trying to be passed, these restrictions are being, and the, the bully on the playground's like, we're playing this way. No, no, we're playing that way. We're doing that. And I declare that in this season, you thrive under pressure. That it is your soul that comes first. And your soul will have a word that is groundbreaking for generations. That you will profess out of your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord all the days of your life. That you will never doubt the call that he has on your life. Either it's you getting on Facebook and telling everyone that you can. 
Instagram, making a story, letting it be known now. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time for your voice to be heard because he's chosen you. I have a challenge for you, and I just want to leave you with this thought. If you could only post five more times on Facebook or Instagram, if you only had five more chances for the rest of your life, what would be the content of those messages? What would be the content of your life that you are leaving for everyone to see in only five posts? I pray that you think about that. I pray that even myself, I'm challenging myself with the content that is flowing out of my mouth. What would I leave the earth with? What would my mark be? What would I want them to know? I believe that there are messages on many of your hearts, if not all, and the world needs to know it. And remember that in these messages, we are not seeking approval from humans from near, mere mankind. We're seeking to please the Lord in the heart of our Father. So I pray that he would speak to you. I pray that he would fill your whole household. I pray that in this time you will see the works of his hand come into fruition through the words of your life and that we would be finding our freedom in the foundations of our faith. So Jesus, I bless every viewer, every person. I ask God that you would anoint them and let them feel a tangible presence, even now. I ask that they would remember that it starts with their family that you've given them gifts that are all around them. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Love you all so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. God bless.